Unrelated. 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 does not talk like that look oh, at you man. like all shorn uh, i know Ugh, yeah gotta do it for uh whatever the show or whatever the life fuck. yeah life <laughs> wish i could have grown it more but that's what it is man how you doing yeah i'm doing okay all i'm right. doing okay it's a weird transition back to normal yeah <laughs> I've actually been out a couple times mm-hmm. around people, which is very strange. Yeah, yeah. Last night I was around people that I didn't know. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Very weird. Yeah. The whole time I was, you know, I'm already cringy being around other human beings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was like yeah. just shrinking back into the shadows. Yeah, And yeah. yet people want to talk and act like nothing is going on. And yeah. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, I mean, I've had people over my house, obviously people that I know over my house and trust and are vaccinated, and that's been cool. And I've gone out to dinner with people that I know vaccinated, which is also cool. But like, yeah, around people I don't know, I'm like, and I don't I don't know if I'll ever trust people that I don't know. Like the, the list is very exclusive now where I'm just yeah. like... Anytime I'm in an elevator, like for the longest time, I've always thought, okay, I'm in an elevator with this group of people. If something happens, these are the people who suddenly will have to get like creative with how to get out of the elevator. And do you have a pen? And, you know, all that sort of emergency thing. And I'm like, yeah, we'll make it out. We'll, you know, we'll figure it out. We'll, our humanity will get us out of here. Now I know there's no fucking shot. There's no No. shot at all. I mean. I had watched enough zombie movies before all this yeah. happened to know that there was no shot when yeah. you had to rely on other people. Yeah. But yeah. so it's funny. You just said the thing about the elevator. Um, mm-hmm. I remember years ago when I was working at this dot com in New York, it was like in an older building down. Uh, it was just north of like Canal Street. Yeah. That area, just north of Tribeca. Went out. Just there were people outside smoking, coming back from lunch or whatever. And mm-hmm. I had just come back from the uh, like the bodega across the street. Yeah. I like I bought like a protein bar, like some water or whatever yeah. it was. And like I walked into the elevator. We got stuck. Oh, Oof. and we were stuck in the elevator for like 45 minutes. And we hit, we did. We hit that point where mm-hmm. people were like, anybody got anything? And I yeah. just was like, <laughs> just like pulling my like stuffing it in my jacket and like pulling everything tight. It's like, yeah. yeah, man, I don't know. Because like if it came down to it, I wasn't sharing that fucking protein bar. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of this story, um, one of those like amazing stories, September 11th, where there was a few guys stuck. I don't know if we talked about this, but there's a few guys stuck in an elevator coming down, you know, in the first building. And they, you know, the end of the story is they made it out clearly because they're talking about it. But it was like, I think there were construction guys and one guy had like a bucket and another guy had like, you know, something to like... uh, A squeegee? No, not not even a squeegee, but something useless like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think he was like a a mason or something like that okay, and okay. you know they got stuck between floors they had no idea what was going on i think the story was they didn't even know what was happening do you know what i mean they were just sure, stuck in sure. an elevator alarms are going off and they figured out a way to shimmy the elevator open with like a pencil and like a stick of gum and then they like <laughs> got out it's like a crazy story and i'm like yeah that's like a one in a million times like like no way that's going to happen with this crew of people that are alive now 
now. No fucking no, way. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I somebody posted and it might have been uh might have been KJ. Yeah. Posted this thing where it was like two they're just like stick figures but it was like yeah. oh good we're back to this and it was like two like sort of th- like stick figures but like the 3d renderings oh, of yeah. them and yeah. it was just a he's like oh good we're back to normal it's just like a <laughs> blast of spray coming at each other's yeah. faces yeah i saw that and one every time i was around somebody like last night I, yeah. I i went to see this uh comedy show and like you know it was all social distance when we were watching but yeah. still like nobody had masks on yeah, and I, yeah, and I feel you know like I'm vaccinated, so I feel better, but not yeah. great. And yeah. then afterwards, went to this uh, went to this bar. I, yeah. I was watching people like they got pizza at this place across the street, yeah. and like taking a bite. And the other one's like, "Oh, can I get a bite of that?" And I was yeah, like, like, "What the what fuck the are fuck? you doing? Yeah. Oh, can I have a sip of that?" I'm like, "Yeah. Oh my god! Like this will never happen again in my yeah. lifetime. Yeah. Maybe if I'm." If I have a partner that like I'm I'm intimate with, I'll yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, can I have a bite of that? Whatever, because I already yeah. know that you know we've, we've you yeah. know we've already been in each other's spaces. I don't, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say something else, but it well, didn't sound good. You know, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't even raw. Yeah, I did not get that for the life yeah. of me. I, I was yeah. so repulsed. People kept looking at me, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> is everything okay? I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah. And it's like, it's a weird thing. That's what I feel. It's like going back to work. I've been like telling you, I've been like dipping my toe in and, you know, doing guest star work and all that stuff. And just like, Mm -hmm. just getting back into it. And even the places where it's really, they've got their COVID protocol locked the fuck down. You know what I mean? Like on, on Chicago Med, I'll shout them out because they're so good at it where, you know, like you're, you know, we rehearse in masks and then you know, when they're ready to shoot, right? They say, okay, actors masks off, you take your mask off. And then like somebody comes and squirts you in the hands with some sanitizer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The scene, if it runs over five minutes, they've got to cut and then like turn the air purifiers back on. And then everybody puts their mask on. Like it's like military and it feels great, but it still feels fucking weird. And so to like, talking about the people who are acting like nothing happened we're taking our masks off now let's go have an orgy in the street and i'm like dudes what what are you well, it doing is, it, it, in, in their defense that would be yeah. outdoors that would be outdoors <laughs> <laughs> we're outside <laughs> oh my god oh my god so yeah. but yeah i mean i was yeah. really freaked out and i was in the midst of it so like yeah. i'm kind of i can't even say i'm kind of like i was part of it but i was yeah. trying to maintain my distance and i just yeah like i already have social anxiety like this is like yeah i don't know how i'm ever getting back to any sense of quote-unquote normalcy well fucking hell man jesus christ speaking of like um going through trials and tribulations and getting to the other side of those i know that you wanted to talk about some a, a special time in history I'm trying to segue into yes i didn't know how you nice wanted segue. to do it yeah so yeah, yeah. you know um unrelated unrelated uh, yeah. yeah it's not really a segue it is just yeah, unrelated yeah. yeah um so i've been doing a lot of here's your history lesson for this week kids <laughs> um i've been doing a lot of research uh for this book that i was writing am writing yep and uh i've come across the harlem hellfighters mm-hmm. and i i don't know you're familiar or you are not familiar yep so the the Harlem Hellfighters was the only black regiment to fight in World War One mm-hmm. out of uh, out of the United States. Mm-hmm. I got to be really interested in this because I I mean yet another thing in the history books like we don't hear about that right right you know I mean I don't know a hell of a lot about World War One to begin with and mm-hmm. I don't know that they necessarily teach a lot about World War One like I know yeah. the armistice <laughs> I yeah, know yeah yeah. 
I know the Kaiser mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I know Archduke, Archduke Duke Ferdinand. Ferdinand. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the trenches, I know the yeah. trenches and I know yeah. mustard gas and that's, yeah. that was pretty much the extent of my knowledge of right. world war one. Right. But I obviously know more now from having looked into it. So sure. the, the Harlem Hellfighters, as I said, very unique uh, situation, like th- these African-American soldiers and, it's funny. It all st- started off. Let, let me give you a little bit of background. Basically, right. they were they were trying to drum up as much eff- um, as much interest for the war effort as possible mm-hmm. in World mm-hmm. War One. They being mm-hmm. the United States, yeah. and so there were a few guys that got together. One of them was uh, this guy William Hayward, mm-hmm. who was um, in the military. He was uh, he was white, mm-hmm. and then there was a captain named uh, Charles Fillmore who was black, mm-hmm. and you know, they got this idea that they should get some African-American soldiers mm-hmm. in to active duty. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had to go to like social, I don't know how else to say it other than like social luminaries and like entertainment right. people to right. get any sort of momentum behind it. So they right. actually had to be financially backed to get mm-hmm. ready for this. Like they literally had to buy like their own uniforms. Yeah. Like they were a, um, you know, a, a little league team that was, you know, trying to yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. 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 There were some African-American soldiers at that mm-hmm. point. I mean, yep. it, there were, and there were some that were officers, mm-hmm. obviously not many. Yeah, And they actually had to, one of the people that was instrumental in getting this thing off the, gr- the ground was this guy, his name was, I love this last name. His name was James Reese Europe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. was uh, a famous musician. Mm-hmm. Basically, they they kept asking him if he would participate, and he said no, no, no. And then finally, when they got his uh, his buy off on everything, he was able to convince other black soldiers to get involved because he started a marching band. And so mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, cool. Well, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna have black people go over there as musicians. We're cool <laughs> with that. We're right, cool with that." Right, right. So they get to France. They they ship them over to Europe into France mm-hmm. in um, the, the very beginning of 1918, like January 1st. Oddly enough, another like weird little side note: the boat that they arrived on was called the Pocahontas. Mm, nice. Which is just like let's just keep learning racism yeah, in here. <laughs> yeah, it's always amazing. In March of that year, because they were just kind of sitting around, like they were doing like all this behind the scenes work, like mm-hmm. cleaning up or. Yep whatever the white yep. soldiers needed somebody said you know what we really don't want these guys over here mm-hmm. but we need the bodies when the french came to the american officers and said hey yeah. we need to you know we need some people they said hey take these dudes mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we're just we're not interested right so then you had these men who had been trained you know minimally trained in using american weapons mm-hmm. with their american uniforms fighting with french weapons that they had to learn from scratch right mm-hmm. okay and the, the french loved them the yep. french loved these soldiers like they mm-hmm. were like yeah these guys are great like mm-hmm. they do everything we need them to there was a lot going on just sort of politically with this mm-hmm. and i don't mean politically in this you know in the sense of like senators and mm-hmm. congress people president mm-hmm. they were being treated these soldiers were being treated very well by the french mm-hmm. the american didn't like that they were being treated well by the French. Right, right. So they were right. actually told they actually told the French officers, you mm. know, like, hey, you gotta you gotta pump the brakes on how you're you're treating these guys. We can't right. we can't get them being too uh content with being treated like equals. Right. Which is so fucked up. I mean, yeah. like you're out there fighting side by side against like a force that's yeah. 
I mean, and that just so I mean, white supremacy is a hell of white, a drug, man. It is, man. It is. Mm -hmm. And then the Germans, of course, know what the hell is happening. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to use that to their advantage. Like they're yeah. dropping leaflets and flyers and yeah. stuff going, yo, yeah, dude, we'll help. We got you. Like yeah. I don't, these, you're fighting mm -hmm. for these people that hate your guts. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. The Germans were basically trying to the, you know, the, the soldiers of this regiment that, mm -hmm. Hey, um, you know, you're going to get treated like shit. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we, we got you. Like yeah. we will, we will not treat you like that. Yeah. And to their credit, they, they were like country over, you know, like we're here fighting side by side because yeah. we're, we're not going to betray each other, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So now that being said, they became known as the, they didn't dub themselves this, but they started mm -hmm. to be called the Harlem Hellfighters. Right. Because, you know, I guess they just assumed every black person in America lived in Harlem. Well, they're, they're from New York, though. Their regiment was formed in New York. But not necessarily in Harlem, I guess, is yeah, where yeah, I'm coming yeah. from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. Speaking of the New York thing is, mm -hmm. now, we're both originally grew up in the same area. Yeah. And I didn't know until years later, like, the star of the Harlem Hellfighters was mm -hmm. a gentleman named Henry Johnson, who was from Humble Bragg, Albany, New York. Oh, I think you told me that. Yeah. Or they, yeah. 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 Oh, sweet. And he was like a, he was like a railroad porter. He worked yeah. at like a, he worked cleaning up like, a, like the soda fountain in a drugstore or something yeah. like that. Uh, I don't know that he was actually, as the kids used to say, a soda jerk, mm -hmm. but he, right, he, right, right. he worked for some jerks. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he got to be known because of this incident. Well, I'll tell you what happened. So there was one night in May of that year mm -hmm. that he and, um, another soldier, Needham Roberts. I know I'm dropping a lot of names on you here, but sure. the two of them were working the night watch. So they were yeah. sitting in the like the the forward trench that they had, mm -hmm. and so they had something like wires strung up all around that mm -hmm. would make noise if somebody got in. And they had the barbed wire, of course. Yep. Johnson heard some clipping and realized that the the barbed wire had been snipped mm -hmm. and that there were german soldiers trying to get in because it was a very dark mm -hmm. night and they couldn't yeah. see very well yeah there are a lot of little elements this is that are very sure. cool so let me mm -hmm. go through this they had the thing to make the alert sound johnson had a like a non-issue bolo knife right that he had traded some whatever it was like he traded with an african soldier at one point like swapped out and got this bolo knife from this guy right. he's like that's cool and you mm -hmm. know like the guy's like oh that's cool whatever is from America. And so he'd right. been carrying this from him. Mm -hmm. And like they were hearing these voices. So they, you know, they did all this stuff where like they laid their weapons out, like their grenades in front of them just in case they had to throw them. Yeah. And when the Germans came through, they were just sort of, he and Needham were not right next to each other. Like they were right. far enough away that like, you know, they they could survey the area in front mm -hmm. of them. Yeah. So he heard Roberts being overtaken and he picked mm -hmm. up his rifle to fire and then it jammed up. Right. So he could hear Robert screaming and stuff, but yeah. Robert's getting dragged away. Yeah. He has no rifle. He pounced on like a dozen yeah. German soldiers with mm -hmm. his bolo knife. Yep. Yep. And he killed four of them mm -hmm. and wounded like another dozen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they ended up just retreating. And then of course everybody woke up and they're like, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't until the next morning, they actually saw like all the fallout. Yeah. And so this guy was considered a hero. Mm-hmm. 
not by the U.S., not by but the, US. the French yeah. gave him the Croix de Guerre, which is yeah. like the equivalent of like, um, I guess it would yeah. be like the Silver Star yeah. yeah, or Gold Star. Gold yeah. Star. Mm-hmm. Or Bronze Star, isn't it? I, I forget. I don't know. Sorry. Know. Don't you, at you, me, military dude, people. Dude, yes. you, you should, you're the one that should know. You yeah, always yeah. play like, yeah, military, like military, FBI, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. surgeons. So it should be, I think it's the Bronze Star. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So. Well, anyway, he got French equivalent of yeah. that. Yeah. When they came back to the States, they didn't, obviously nobody gave a yeah. fuck about them. Yeah. Um, but they did. Uh, one thing of note with them is that when they were fighting the Harlem mm-hmm. Hellfighters, not one member of their squad, mm-hmm. of their regiment, mm-hmm. was ever taken prisoner. Yeah. yeah. There was at one point that they were disarmed by the Germans and like being marched into, mm-hmm. you know, being prisoners. Mm-hmm. And then a few of the soldiers that had gotten away, like mm-hmm. yeah. pounced on yeah. that, that platoon and, and, and rescued their, their fellow soldiers. Yeah. And then, you know, they go back to America and it's the same old shit. Like they yeah. got like a big victory parade in Harlem, but competing for like shitty jobs with yeah. like shitty white people. Yeah. And it didn't do much for them when they got back. Yeah. Probably the saddest footnote to all of this. Cause that's all sort of, not sort of like, that's all tragic, but the most disgusting thing that came out of this was their, like the summer after they got back, it got to be known as Red Summer because mm-hmm. they, they being angry white bigots, mm-hmm. were actually lynching former soldiers in their uniforms. Yep, it's absolutely disgusting, and it's it's still it. Well, I don't want to go on too much, like mm-hmm. segueing off. I, I want to give you a chance to like talk about this a little bit too. But mm-hmm. that's the overview of who the Harlem Hellfighters were. They were very yeah. brave men who fought on behalf of, I guess, the Allied Powers is what they yep. would have been called at that point. You know, gave up their lives for a country that despised them, and they were immensely brave and they they got passed off they got passed off as if they were nothing to the french as like yeah here you can take these guys on loan they were amazing and they were beloved Mm. by the french and you know then went right back to the bullshit that it was before they left yeah i mean i mean i think we've covered this before but like the i know i know i'm gonna piss off the white supremacists listening but it's like it gets tiring all of these stories because this is this is not a an isolated unique story in the let me just speak for all black people the black experience in america mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. we're always fighting for a country that hates us and when we go somewhere else whether it's as soldiers or as jazz musicians or as performers in some way the europeans are like hey these guys are cool we'll listen to jazz you know what i mean it's like it gets tiring having to prove yourself to people who just hate you no matter what. And it's, I think it's coming to a real head now because Mm -hmm. this is, you know, this has been happening since the Revolutionary War. We're just talking about the soldiers, the Revolutionary War, you had the, um, the Civil War, you had all the wars up until now, Black soldiers, like, begging to be in the army, in the in the armed forces, put their lives on the line to prove to white people that we love this country enough that we'll die for it. We'll love this country that literally the majority of this country's life, we have been your chattel servants, but we will right. still fight right. for you. Even at the, we won't even go and betray you to another country that promises to treat us better and like mm-hmm. De- mm-hmm. demonstrated, demonstrates that they will treat us better, right? 
every single experience, not just in, like I just said, not just in the armed forces, but everywhere. There, there comes a point where I go, hey, uh, black folks, what's wrong with us, <laughs> right? Like, what are we, what are we fighting for? They fucking hate us, no matter what, no matter what we give them, no matter what we do for them, no matter what we sacrifice for them, they still hate us. You know that uh, one of my favorite movies. Um, I'm about to say an officer and a gentleman. It, that's not the movie. The um, a soldier story. Yeah. I love that movie yeah. too. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and now I'm gonna forget the actor, but the actor who played the awful black sergeant who was just totally like subsumed by you know white supremacy and his amazing line where he's going, they still hate us. Ha 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 man, is it uh is it Howard Rollins or Adolf Caesar? Adolf Caesar. Right. Adolf Caesar. Adolf I knew Caesar. that it was I knew it was Adolf or something like that because I remember yeah. thinking at the time like and still like eh, what an yeah. uncomfortable first name to have in this <laughs> right 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 <laughs> considering sure. the yeah, context yeah, yeah. of the world yeah yeah but it, it's this sort of i've said it before on this podcast um and it's funny that unrelated is i mean this is one of the things we want to talk about but we always talk about this which i don't mind it's an abusive relationship do you know what i mean it's like right. the abuser is always telling the abusee what a piece of shit they are and all the reasons why they don't deserve to be with the abuser mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. abuse z is always doing the best they can above and beyond at their own personal sacrifice to prove to this person that hey no i'm not a piece of shit hey no i'm a good person hey no i deserve to be heard you know i I love uh you know i'll I'll end this rant here but i love michael chay the um the comedian, and I think we may have he talked about this. He does the news this. update on he Saturday news Night Live. Update, and he's a he's a brilliant comedian, and he has right. this whole yes. bit about uh, Black Lives Matter, and he's like, they're complaining about us saying Black Lives Matter, and listen to the statement it's black lives matter not black lives are better not black lives are superior not even black lives are equal they just matter and still <laughs> you got yeah. white folks yeah. oh it's <laughs> it's embarrassing it, i yeah. mean it is like I, I i've said to you brought this up i'm sure in the podcast before i mean yeah I at times think about the Steve Martin line in mm-hmm. The Jerk where yeah. he's raised by a black family mm-hmm. and Steve mm-hmm. Martin is very clearly white right. and he has no idea that he's different. Right. And right. one day his mother tells him that he's adopted and yeah. he's completely shocked and he goes, you mean I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> <laughs> like this doesn't wash off. Yeah. And I'm like, There's plenty yeah. of times I hear shit and I think that. Yeah, um, yeah want to say two things about that mm-hmm. one you know when you put it that way it's when you're in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. it's like you're contending with that one person yeah. and a an inner circle mm-hmm. let's say that that views you the way that that they do and not to be like patronizing at all i mean i can't imagine how exhausting that must be when the whole world around you yeah is yeah. like that yeah you know that they're to not have any sort of escape from it at all you know you can't go to like your trusted friend and everything's cool yeah yeah it's like you have you and like your other people who are experiencing the same thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know but the world still keeps going the the abuser which is the world keeps keeps on keeping on yeah I think the thing that's strengthening about it, though, is, you know, and we've talked about abusive relationships on this podcast as well. And in my experience, not that I've been abused or an abuser, but um, I've had people close to me confide in relationships. And there's two things that I've learned 
in being the confidant of somebody who I'm always the first one to recognize, hey, you're in an abusive relationship, is that it's delicate, right? It's, um, you can't, your friend calls you and says, yeah, you know, my boyfriend keeps yelling at me and, you know, we're just having problems. I just want to talk. And, you know, he just sort of you know, grabbed me and pushed me because he was, you know, frustrated with me or whatever. And, you know, my first reaction when I was younger would be like, fuck that. Let me go up there and kick that dude's ass. What the fuck? You know, you can't. And it always, it never works, right? To say you're being abused because the human mind, or at least in my own sort of limited anecdotal experience, I'm obviously not a, a psychologist. Um, Retreats. You probably have played one on TV. I played. Point. Uh, actually, I think I have. I think <laughs> <Yes>. I have. <laughs> so that anyway, would be sorry. true. So, like, you're yes. not a psychologist. I'm not a psychologist, but... but but what I find amazing is that our human mind is so malleable. Like, if somebody tells you you're a piece of shit enough, you start to believe it and start to find ways to justify not being a, like find ways to try to make yourself right in this person's eyes, even though right. that person doesn't deserve it. Right. right. So it's a delicate it's a delicate sort of balance as a friend to, to not sort of go hard at that person, but to just always flip it and say, Hey man, like, let's say it was you. Hey, Chris, how would you feel if I called you and I said the same thing? Um, you know, my girlfriend did X, Y, Z to me. And you'd be like, Oh yeah, well, if it was you, um, yeah, you know, that's fucked up. That's really an abusive relationship. Okay, Chris, what's the difference with you? Well, you know, I kind of, I kind of pissed her off. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it, some yeah. of it was my fault. Like some of it is that. And the other thing that I've learned is it takes a long time to extract yourself from it. But the, the saving grace is, and this is what triggered this um, response is that the abuser, whether they know it or not, is always trying to isolate you. 100%. Yeah. And when you're isolated, that's when you're fucked. But when you have a friend or two or three who are like, nah, Chris, nah, that's bullshit, right? Um, it's, it's a lifeline into the real world. And I think as Black people, we sit around, I mean, I feel like all the time throughout my life when I think about it, when I'm with Black friends or Black family, we're like, yo, this shit just went down. You know, oh, yeah, man, that happens to me all the time. I was just on set. I guess maybe I shouldn't. Uh, name this actor, but um, uh, a then don't we? Can then always... I, I don't. But a, a, a fellow black man, and we were just riffing on the different things that we go through, and like seeing him say the same exact thing as me, right? Like for example, maybe I shared this on the podcast where where I've trained myself never to be in a rush in a uh, department store, right? Yes, you have and especially this, yeah. when it's like you know when Apple. Uh, the Apple store changed to no registers. Right. And so they would just out. Yeah. yeah. So you have to walk out with the package and do you want a bag or not? Right. And I'm like, Oh, I want a bag. Right. I, I want you to put it in a bag. I know you're going to email me the receipt, but like, and then I'm going to take this bag with it in my hand and I'm going to walk out slowly. And then I'm going to pause outside of the Apple store and check my cell phone or like, you know, figure out what I'm going to do. But part of that psychologically, I know is that I am not stealing this. I'm not in any hurry. I bought this and I'm going to take my time walking out of the store. So that you understand. So that you understand. Yes. Yes. And so, um, you know, uh, my friend, fellow actor was like, I do that shit too. Right. And that confirmation makes it like 
oh, I am not crazy. I didn't just come up with this myself, right? It's like, I've been in situations where I've been followed around the store, right? No matter mm-hmm. how much money I have, no matter how well I'm dressed, no matter what, there's always an excuse to follow me around the store and not my white friends, right? And so right, it right. just gets in, it, it just gets in, uh, entrenched in your psyche that this is how you have to behave, so. Yeah, and, and, and you know, it is funny, uh, and I don't mean funny like haha. Yeah. Um, if you, oh, I think just... you mean funny haha. Jesus it's Christ, hilarious. Chris. <laughs> Let's treat black people badly. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, no, one of the uh, that sounded so fucking horrible. If somebody were to take that sound bite out, and play that, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but like, for example, let's look at the two two of us um, yeah. and just what our lives are, and then yeah. have the one. Um, sort of quantifier at the end of all of this. Right. Um, successful mm-hmm. in their career, mm-hmm. sort of between careers a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, has, you know, has like money put aside, has invested well, has, you know, like stability. Right. And then on the other side, you know, sort of like an uns- uncertain future or present, depending on that, mm-hmm. um, you know, stable relationship, mm-hmm. divorced, bounces from relationship to relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you look at the, you know, like, like succeeding in their profession kind of gets bounced around in their profession, not mm-hmm. really sure, it's sort of directionless. Mm-hmm. You look at those two people and you say, who has got it better? Right. <laughs> and you're going to go the guy that's got all of the, mm-hmm. all of the things going for them and the yeah. stability. And you go, mm-hmm. okay, hang on. Mm-hmm. That guy's black. <laughs> the other guy's white. Yeah. Suddenly that flips the dynamic. Yeah. In yeah. a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know that you and I, when we talk, like we're not looking at it through that lens. Sure. And I certainly like, I mean, I'm saying that I never view you that way. Right, 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 right. I don't see color. No, I'm kidding. But, (laughs) uh, but like to the outside world, like just adding that one piece of the puzzle. Yeah. That can change people's minds completely. Or Mm -hmm. even if you're paying attention, you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a difference. Like, and and some people would say, oh, well, would you trade this for this or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've thought of that, mm-hmm. you know, here and there when like this, people mention this podcast and, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about these things and I, I get it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, I've expressed before, there were some blatant examples in my life of white privilege, yeah. like that, that drug test that I took. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like, <laughs> they just, they wanted me bad enough for the job that they looked yeah. right at the drug test that I failed for pot and, right. it, you know, yes. disclosure. Pot, but I had just, yes. Right. It, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't mm-hmm. any crazy, but I, yeah. it was illegal in the state where I was, but I had been in Colorado the week mm-hmm. before. And yeah. I, this is back when it was only legal there in like one other place. Mm-hmm. And I failed the test and they were just like, okay, cool. Yeah. That would yeah. have never happened. Yeah. If I, well, I, let's never say never, but like mm-hmm. say there's a 99.9999999 yeah. chance yeah. that that's yeah. not happening. Yeah. If I'm, you know, check whatever boxes that are mm-hmm. not white male. Right. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think that there's a lot that, like that scenario that I just said, like comparing the two people in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's where a lot of 
you know, white entitlement and white anger comes from. Right. Mm. Is it's like, well, how are you allowed to have that? And I'm not. Right. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you know what? Men, A, Mm -hmm. um, worked their fucking ass off to do this. Yeah. And, you know, like continues to work his ass off to get that. Right. Right. And what have you done? Right. I'm not saying I haven't worked and I've clearly not been, but not as focused and like whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's different circumstances, but I mean, for anybody to look at a situation and just look at it in terms of race, like Mm -hmm. really kind of tells you everything you need to know about how America works on that front. Yeah. You know, I mean, for years, for years, I'm a huge football fan, as you know, Mm -hmm. it was so fucking taboo. Mm -hmm just to have a black quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was like one in yeah. all of the NFL. Yeah. And it took uh, his name. Was, I believe it was Doug Williams. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he had been the quarterback of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and he had, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. I, I know he's got on to coach and I don't know that he coached the same place that he went, but it was like, he went to um, a historically black college mm-hmm. Um he was in the Super Bowl filling mm-hmm. in for somebody for the mm-hmm. Redskins. And I think, right. I mean, he just shattered records right. and won the Super Bowl for them. Yeah. Ironically, it was for the Redskins, which is, <laughs> it, there, there's never not some layer yeah. of fucked up racism it's, when it yeah. comes to white America. Yeah. But, Jesus um, Christ. And even the week leading up, so they do these interviews and somebody had the audacity to ask him, like, and it's like a legendary thing. And I know there's a little bit of, mythology that goes into this and it wasn't mm-hmm. phrased exactly this way right. but somebody asked him how long have you been a black quarterback <laughs> <laughs> and it's like uh ever since i started fucking playing quarterback yeah. like it's, yeah it's um i like that we keep coming to the subject because it's it's so fraught and um so multi-layered but like when you expose it like that it is so insidiously stupid like this this whole thing that we've called white supremacy because this is no different from the harlem hellfighters right this is no different from anything like you have to go above and beyond way 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 beyond the average person's you know sort of success story to even be recognized so i I think what i remember of the harlem hellfighters another fact is i think in the war statistically they had the most losses out of their regiment i think out of all the regiments that fought in world war one on our side i think they're the ones who took the heaviest losses right and like you said the french gave them the you know the gold cross but like we gave them nothing and then you know you'll hear Three centuries later, President Clinton gives the, you know, Harlem Hellfighters the Congressional Medal of Honor or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like all of this recognition. Going back to the thing, like I am so tired of it, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's like you see these mediocre ass white dudes getting all of this fucking praise, right? For doing the bare minimum, Meanwhile, a black or a brown person has to fucking discover the cure for cancer and maybe they'll get acknowledged. Or, you know, if it's a black woman, forget about it. You know, you will have to wait four or five centuries before mm-hmm, we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know who uh, who gave us world peace? Oh, that black chick. I forgot her name. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's such yeah. a weird thing. And um, it goes back to that the 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 cast of white supremacy that psychological Jedi mind trick that 
the powers that be put on this world have consequences that you and I are still talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. centuries later, you're a white guy, I'm a black guy, and we're talking about this stupid puerile label that got put on both of us without our permission or our even say in it. And it's caused this kind of difference between two people who were born in the same fucking side of the world, born in the same town, went to some of the same schools. And we are so different literally because of a genetic difference that is just visual, but nothing else. Right. Like, like literally the difference between you and me is nothing, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's fucking crazy. It is dude. Like, I mean, it's absolutely fucking bonkers. I mean, I, I can still remember when you and I reconnected after whatever it was, 20 years. Right. Right. And just like, it sounds so absurd. Yeah. Like, you know, we were little kids hanging out and then yeah. we lost track of each other mm-hmm. and then we reconnect as adults. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a day hadn't passed. Yeah. Yeah. But yet we've had these completely different life experiences yes. leading up, which is, yeah. you know, what was the impetus for this podcast sure. in the first place? Sure. You know, like kind of talking about these things. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that there's these like disclaimers, quantifiers, however mm-hmm. you want to put it on, how we're perceived. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. know, it, yeah. it's, it is, it's maddening. Yeah. Um, I, I, I know you're about to get to something. I just want to add one little anecdote that I just learned yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is what, you know, part of the white supremacy problem is that the people who gain the benefits from white supremacy usually are blind to it. Like, and it's almost not their fault. Like it's, it's such a great system that white people are always like, you know, you've mentioned your uh, family member who's like, racism still exists in America, you know? And he's like, he's not an evil person. He just literally doesn't see it, right? And so I'm always surprised at those stories. And um, I was watching MSNBC. Pink uh, Okami. Pink Okami, bastard, you know, (laughs) whatever I am. Um, Sarah Rule uh, was recounting a story about a, a Black woman who was trying to get her house appraised right? The house that her grandfather built that she'd lived in for years. And she was like trying to buy that house and establish the American dream and all that stuff. She went through two appraisals and she noticed that the appraisals were like 10 to 15% below what, you know, the market value was. And she Mm -hmm, was like, mm -hmm. hmm, black woman. Right. And as she says in the, in the uh, interview, she was like, so my two girlfriends are married to white guys. So I called my girlfriends and I was like, look, I need to borrow one of your white men for a second. And she starts laughing. Right. And so she gets one, one of her white, uh, black girlfriends, husbands, white guy to come in and stand in for her. Right. So she, she only communicated with the next appraisal through email, never introduced herself and then took down all the pictures of black people and black family members in the house. Right. And then had that guy stand there. And what I find funny is the white guy who's married to a black woman, you know, uh, they, they cut to him for a second. He was like, yeah, I had my doubts about this. Right. Like, you know, just a regular white guy, but he was like, ah, this might be a little bit crazy. So they go through the appraisal and this house at first was appraised at one hundred and ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. When the white guy was standing there, two fifty. Whoa! <laughs> wow! I wow. swear to God, look it up. Two 
fucking 50 or like twice the amount of money that the black woman was getting twice right you know what i mean like yeah 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 i, I well let me just put this out there yeah, go um ahead. any of our african-american listeners if you need somebody to just come stand in and pretend that i'm <laughs> <laughs> that i'm part of the equation yep. i am happy to do it yep. all i ask is like drop me a couple hundred bucks that's yep. it that's and, it and gas yeah. gas money yeah <laughs> maybe lunch <laughs> but i'm happy to do it for you wow what a difference that's i thought a- you were gonna say like oh was, you know went up to like 125 no 250 it was like fuck? ridiculous dude so wow. it's like you know and it's there all the time and like she said she jumped for joy she was like oh my god this is great and and she got the money she was able to repraise it and then turn that money into all that stuff so she won but at the same time she goes and then i broke down crying after like i figured out like you know how much this house was worth and da 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 and went with that figure she was like crying because she's like this is an example of what the effect of white supremacy is. And so they they had some expert come on, like an economist, and he was like, yeah, at least with housing appraisal, right, and, and housing costs and the housing market and all that stuff and ownership, the quote-unquote American dream, there's like a difference of... When you add up all of those things, like those situations and the amount of money lost by black people with these situations, it's like in the hundreds of billions of dollars Jesus over, Christ. you know what I mean? And that's, yeah. you know, when you hear those, um, at the average white family has like $700,000 in like, you know, in collective equity. savings or whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah. And then when you hear the average black family in the same situation, it's like they have $25 in their bank account at a, on a given day. It's like something, yeah. it's something ridiculously skewed like that. And it's like, right. That's fucked up. Fucking Christ. I mean, man. I know it's fucked up. I mean, we yeah, talk yeah. about it being fucked up all the yeah. time, but just to hear it in such yeah black, black, <laughs> and, white black terms. and white yeah. terms. Yeah. 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 In both aspects of yeah. the, the meanings there. I just want to say one quick thing before yeah, yeah. we take, before uh like we we stop and segue into something else a, a soldier story you mentioned before yes yeah um dude listen to who was in this movie mm-hmm. so it was okay it was howard rollins adolf yeah, caesar yeah. Mm-hmm. david allen greer was in yep, it yep yep he was robert fantastic. townsend was in it fantastic denzel mm-hmm. washington was in yep. it patty labelle was in it yep Ed oh, Harris, no, I'm kidding. Ed Harris yeah. wasn't in it, but it would have been it would have been, yeah. been the best movie yeah. in the history of cinema. Yeah. God, Ed Harris had been in it. Come on, yeah. Ed, let's get on that remake. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. I forgot Patty Labelle was in it, but yeah, that that movie was stunning. I, I, you know what? I love that movie too, and yeah. it's been years since I've seen yeah. it. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about it. Yeah. Uh, for the record, um, Henry Johnson, who oh, did I leave this out? Did I say this that mm-hmm. he got the nickname the Black Death? Oh no, you lifted up, but that's after yeah, that, great. After yeah. that situation mm-hmm. where he killed those soldiers, yeah, yeah, the German army and saved his his regiment, mm-hmm. the Black Death. Yeah, nice, real subtle. But he did get awarded whatever was the gold star, bronze star, whatever, right, was, uh, right, posthumously right. by Obama. Obama, about, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, yeah. okay, so let's oh, put and, it. And then yeah, yeah, one more thing, yeah, because um, I did a little research myself. Um, there, How dare you? Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but their motto was "Don't tread on me, goddamn, let's go," which oh, I, I love. love it. Yeah, I yeah, love so, it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah, and they've got they had like a really cool insignia too. If you look it up. Um, yeah, it's like a s- coiled snake, um, like cobra kind of thing. Yeah, but it's not yeah. the oh. just the Gadsden flag. It's not just is that what it's called? The Gadsden flag. The, the one Gadsden. that says "Don't tread on me." Yeah, it's not. It's not that. It's just the coiled snake on a right. field. 
Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. No, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to stop you. I was just thinking yeah. out loud what the name of that one that the fucking nut jobs, that, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the, what they use, like the yeah. don't tread on me flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the, the Harlem Hellfighters were obviously way cooler. Yeah, fuck yeah. Okay, yeah. let's put a pin in that and right. jump into something else. Yeah. Hey, it's Chris. Yet again, we talked for way too long, but it's all cool stuff. I promise you that. Check out the next episode and you will hear the continuation of this conversation. Talk to you soon.